somehow in our last podcast when we were recording the whole social media activism we went from talking about the effectiveness of social media activism and our thoughts on that to somehow within the course of two hours like so death is that the unifying human experience yeah, I think it's because we got stuck on like social media and like connecting with How? people. <laughs> it was like, yeah, like what is what is the ultimate underlying connecting factor? And yeah, I guess that's our hypothesis that we're running with for now. Like, is it death? Is that the one thing, like culturally, time-wise, like any human, like, is it death? Like, I I feel like it's actually a good one. Like, if you look at full cultures. You think about like, the Greeks, you think about the Egyptians, so much of their culture and their, uh, I don't even know what, their just view of the afterlife is, it was re- all, all revolved around death. I, and to me, like, I don't think it was like necessarily, like, I feel like it was more common to see things like, like every culture at that time had some kind of view of the afterlife. Um, because they they saw it as this is more than there's more to this life than just we were randomly a scientific chance that exploded into a universe so yeah which then to what extent does our perceptions of death and how we think about it inform the way we're living our lives because that's that's the multi-million dollar life question and the idea of a whole idea of purpose and because i feel like to some extent like regardless of how you think about death that's not going to really affect for me like my daily life like it's not going to affect what i choose to have for lunch or what i choose to text my friend or what i'm doing like in my work schedule but like to some degree it will because of like oh well like you know, if I believe that, like, this body I have now, I'll take some form of it with me into, like, the after-death experience, and, like, I want to treat it well, and, like, eat healthily, and, like, what I do choose for lunch will be informed by that. Maybe not, like, in that direct, like, you know, point A to point B, but, like, in some way of thinking like that. But, like, it's also not such a, like, daily occurrence. Like, we're not, you know, we don't walk by, like, dead bodies in the street, or we're not, like, constantly reminded of this like hey you could die at any moment like just something i think we passively have in us and we know about but it's not like it's gonna affect us every day until it does you know like with either like like a family member like a loved one dying and then Mm -hmm. that's gonna like that's you know you hear about the people that you know your entire life changes because one person died in it and like the way Mm. that their their sense of self just changes because of this person's death so I think part of me is kind of wondering, like, what is the importance of, you know, just having conversations like this, like, about death, which is something that we can't know. But it's, I find it fun to talk about, and I don't know why. So, in, here, here's me referencing a book, trying to sound intelligent. Ah. Uh, there's a book called The Power of Habit. It's actually a pretty popular book uh, by a guy named Charles Duhigg. And he talks about how, I, I think when you're talking about, like, it, feel, it feels like it affects my daily life, but it also doesn't. Um, his his idea is that like 90, I think he says like 97% of our day-to-day functions, we're not, it's, it's subconscious. Like we're not even thinking about what we're doing on the day-to-day. It's just a product of habit. And those habits come from different paradigms that we believe either consciously or subconsciously that help us operate. So I feel like your idea of death like, regardless of whether you think we're going into the ground, whether you think we're going to be 
like revived or whether you think we're going to heaven hell like there that to me that's a paradigm that we function off of subconsciously and that it really does affect our day-to-day like if you believe that this is all you got you know this this one body is all you got and you're going to treat it well that's a paradigm as well as you know we're going to the ground i gotta maximize my pleasure here on earth or this body just doesn't even matter here on earth because i'm gonna be mummified and you know (laughs) go go be judged by anubis or something you know it's i i do think it is a more one of the more important paradigms that helps shape what we do and why we do it Um, but that's not something we actively think about and like you acknowledged like none of us actually 100% knows what happens so I feel like that's a really strange paradigm that is subconscious yeah we we actually don't have it figured out and we kind of push it off do you do you find yourself like like when you think about death do you when it comes up in your mind, are you pushing it off? Do you like kind of sit on it a little bit? Do you, like, how do you handle like the uncertainty? I think to some degree, it's just an acceptance of like, yeah, like I'm going to die at some point. I would like it to be when, you know, in 60 years from now, when I'm like really old and I've lived this whole like full life, that would be nice. But I also know that's not realistic in that, you know, things can change in an instant. And I haven't had any near like near death experiences like to the extreme like I know some of my friends have but it's that awareness of you know like I would like to not die right now but also if I do all right like I've done the best I can here and that's it so it's not like an exact like pushing away those thoughts maybe it's not acceptance I'm not exactly sure what that would be I think maybe it's just I don't know Maybe it's my grandma rubbing off on me or something. Because <laughs> it, it's weird. It's weird living with, she, you know, she's 89. And so with her, you know, her friends are dying like left and right. And she's had whole friend groups. You know, she's the only surviving member of them. And like... Dude, that's so dark. <laughs> it, it's so dark. And like the other day, you know, she had me look up like one of her old friends on Google. Because she was like, oh, can you like find his contact info? Because like, you know, I'd like to like write him or phone him. So I looked him up and the only thing I could find online was like a headstone in like Palos Verdes. And I was like, oh no, like now I got to tell grandma that like her friend is probably dead because like this is probably her friend's headstone and like he died like 10 years ago and like, oh, okay. So I was like, this is awkward for me as her granddaughter to like deliver this news almost, you know, of like her childhood friend being dead. But then like I told her and it just was like, oh yeah, well, you know, he was older. So yeah. And then that was it. It was like, you know. Okay, move on in the day. Like, it wasn't a big deal. And it's just such a, like, weird... I don't know. It's such a weird, like... I don't know if that's an acceptance of death or a normalization of death or... She's been... She's had to experience it so much, like, within her friend group and family group. You know, she had, like, four brothers and, like, only one of them is surviving now. So, like, is it just this continual exposure to death? It's not, like, a numbness, but it's almost just like a... Okay, yeah, that's just part of it. So I do think it's important for people to be able to, it is scary, like, there's, it's an unknown thing that happens to everyone, and we don't know what happens after, for sure, and I feel like, in a, in a kind of weird way, it it is a coping mechanism, our beliefs about what happened when we die are all 
some kind of coping mechanism. Um, and of course that can influence how you live, but I, I feel like whether you like brush it off or whether you're trying to, you know, live a good life so that you're reincarnated as something else, I sh should probably refrain from saying too much stuff, but like it, your view of the afterlife is, um, I don't know what I'm saying. Your view of the afterlife affects... It affects our, our now here to some extent. Yeah, and how we cope with it kind of still also does affect the here and now. Because um, I... Yeah. So maybe that's... <laughs> is that what the unifying thing is? That we are all trying to cope with the impending doom that we don't know when it's coming it's like for a lot of things that are in our control there's one thing that's not and do you think it's a worth it thing to be spending your life figuring that out or is it better to be left kind of untouched and focused on what's present i mean i've heard arguments that that's kind of what religion was born out of you know just talking about major religions because mm -hmm. it's human's way of trying to understand and live with this reality of death that we all have and mm -hmm. and the reason why there's different religions is because they all come from different you know different backgrounds and they approach the this topic differently i, I don't really know i'm sure that you know there's like actual like there, there are definitely really smart people that have probably talked about that and like you know have validity towards that or not i think it's more of like a i could see it the way we understand and like handle death, I think could also depend on like personalities, you know, with like some of our coping mechanisms, because it's something that is out of our control and we can't do anything. It's yeah, it's, it's just out of our control. And so like, for me, I'm like, oh, I tend to either avoid that stuff. Like, I just don't think about it. I'll put it off, whatever. Or with something like this, it's just like, a, okay, like it's there. I know it's there. I have my desires with not wanting to die, but okay, you know, like, we've been around for long enough that we know that not wanting to die doesn't mean you're not going to die tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. How, so, going to, I guess, how we're thinking about that through our, through our 20s, I feel like our view of death also changes and evolves as we are growing up. Like, I feel like as kids, like, this kind of euphemisms that you get, like, your parents kind of explaining that, oh, you know, Uncle so and so is like just gone on a trip for a long time. It's like probably he not going to come heaven. back. Yeah, or or yeah, with our both of us and our parents, it's like oh, he's in heaven now and he's happier now. Um, for you, how did you like growing up? How did your view of death kind of change as you? Yeah, just I I feel like you could start all the way back as a kid. I feel like tracking that would be interesting. Well, I feel like with us because we both grew up in you know, like conservative Christian home, like mine was Protestant Christian. I don't, what was yours? Same. Okay. Yeah. So we both grew up in like Protestant Christian homes. And so I think just like the minute we're old enough to understand language, like I was being told about like, oh, you know, Jesus and this idea of death and like he conquered death and like, this is a thing that he did, but he's the only one that has ever and will ever do this, but he died for you. 
like this is an action he did for you but he's the only one that could do that and it's like being told that as a kid I think in a weird way like I was raised with this idea of like death and this is a thing that happens but it wasn't I don't know I'm not really it wasn't like a scary thing and it wasn't like a negative thing at all it just was kind of like a okay like you know like when you're little you just kind of accept whatever your parents and like the people around you tell you Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like okay yeah like that happened and then like yeah when did that change like when was it not when was the reality of like oh this is actually kind of a sketchy thing happening I think I remember like my parents they had friends that like their kids died and so hearing my parents talking like I don't think they exactly ever talked to us but I think I do remember hearing conversations you know like between my two parents like I happened to be in the room with like they'd be talking about someone's daughter who died or someone's son who died and my like child understanding of it was like oh okay so like this person was here and they got in a car accident and now they're just not here anymore and they're gone so it's kind of like they left the house and they just never come back into the house and that was like Mm -hmm. my understanding of it and like the only like reference I had to that is like we had like a cat growing up and at some point the cat just like left and he like never came back so we don't know like what happened to him like if he got hit by a car if he got picked up like we don't really know but that was my only reference point was like well we had this cat and now the cat's gone. And, like, we don't know if the cat died, but if the cat did die, that would be, like, what would happen to the cat is he'd just be here and be gone now. So that's probably what happened to my friends' parents, like, you know, the, the or the, you know, the daughters of them. Mm-hmm. And so that was my only real reference point. And then the actual, like, the first death that I think actually, actually hit me was, like, my grandpa's death when I was, like, in high school. And that was the first time it was, like, oh, this is, like, a personalized thing now. Hmm. What about for you with growing up in that? I think my, as a kid, it was similar to yours, where it's just my parents, like I said, had kind of euphemisms for telling me about people passing away or, you know, he's happier now. He's just, or he's not coming back. Like that, that type of, I guess, cover up. I think for me, it kind of, I honestly made it all the way, like, I had one, my, one of my great grandpas passed away. I, I don't really remember how I thought, like, I don't really think I thought much of it. Like, it was like, okay, sad, like, it's not that it, it was sad, of course, but I didn't really know him. So it's kind of like a tough, like, uh, thing to understand. Cause my parents, like, I remember seeing my parents like pretty shaken. Um, but I think it really started to hit home when I was in, high school one of my buddies I I actually didn't even know his dad but he had a like a traffic accident and passed away and I I think that like gathering a lot of our friends around and just sitting in that house together like I think the solemn nature of how just sad it was and how tragic and unexpected it was that I think that's one of those like reality checks like sure like you know I was just living my day-to-day high school whatever you know just having fun um but that was a big kind of eye-opener to dang you know we aren't really guaranteed uh tomorrow and there was that whole like that in high school there was that whole uh project x movement like live while you're young like it's only gonna happen once and like I feel like people got a little reckless with that, but I, I think that that kind of idea is like, you know, this is important. Like this is something, life is something sacred. 
as opposed to just like I'm just mulling through to get I, I wasn't mulling through, I'm just I was enjoying my life but uh, thinking about the implications of how short uh, our lifespans really are kind of hit me around high school then and yeah as since then as things got like more yeah like family members passing away like it's hard like it's a uh, there's not really an easy way to explain it like because there's like with our Christian background there's people in our family that are Christian that we know passed away and it's like at least in for us in our family it's like you know like my grandma passed away and it's like we're we're bummed but we know like for us that she's in heaven and she's she is like in a in a good place and she's happy and I think that's one side of it and something I'm still trying to process through is like how how do I deal with it for families that I like personally believe aren't in a good place um, and that's something hard to uh, wrestle through and think about and I think that does give me urgency for how I, I do live my day-to-day life like I, I think it's important to be talking about things like dying because it kind of it, it can creep up on you pretty fast and we kind of it's not something I personally want to like regret later like I, I don't regret too many things but I feel like I would later on regret not thinking more about it and talking about it um, with people that I care about yeah I I kind of was thinking as you're talking like the whole you know you mentioned you were like sad when you're little when your great great grandma or grandpa died and like you remember your parents being sad or like in high school you know going to your friend's house and kind of like sitting in that that grief with them and being there through that process part of me wonders if like this whole way that at least you know our families have handled death is it because of like you know like am I sad like yeah of course like with my grandpa I was sad because of my own personal like connection with him but in other situations it's like maybe I'm just sad because like everyone around me is sad and this is the response that I've been taught to this not that you can like teach a different response but it's like like oh if I don't know that person very well yeah that's bummer but also like everyone else around me is sad so I can empathize with them and sit with them in that grief hmm because there's also like elements I know in like you know other cultures of like oh let's let's celebrate the passing celebrate. Of, of from this you know and even within Christian culture of let's celebrate the passing from this life into the next life where you know there there is a new body or there is no pain or that person is in a better place that that idea you know I mean but also within that celebration it's not just like a yay they're gone it's like there is grief mixed in because we've lost someone so like mm-hmm. us here we've lost someone that you know, if you believe in the, an afterlife of some form, it's like, well, I won't see them until I, until I leave this life and go into that life. But there's a different, again, the way we view death and what happens after death, that affects the way that we handle someone's death here and now. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the idea of, you know, if we believe that, hey, when you die, you will come back as some other type of living thing. It's like, okay, well, I need to make sure to respect these living things I'm I'm around them because this could have been someone important to me in a past you know in a past reincarnation hmm. so it informs like your daily life then that's true and I think I like to your point of like kind of like a learned sadness I actually don't think it's a learned sadness for like regardless of it's someone dying that we know or we don't know I think it's just a basic human like empathy and sympathy 
um, that we feel. And I, yeah, I think that's a good thing. Um, and then, so connecting it back to our other talks, like I think all, all these, like at least move the big movements we see and like when actual like change starts to happen, like, I don't think you can underscore the importance of having a martyr for a cause. Like I, I feel like there's been a lot of like injustice. Let's look taking like black lives matter, like starting with black lives. Like I feel like there's been a lot of injustices, but until someone dies, I feel like that's like the very human element that even though we, you know, I don't know George Floyd, you don't know George Floyd, other, you know, other people don't know George Floyd. Like I think people are able to rally around the, someone dying because that's that's one experience that for as diverse as the human experience is i think death is like even though we don't even know what happens i do think it is the common unifying human experience so i feel like that's why it's so you see so many movements start around someone dying because it it, it naturally pulls people together and it, it it's a good thing that we have yeah, sympathy, empathy for these people, whether we know them or don't know them. Um, but yeah, like if we track back, if we look at um, the way, I, and I, I, we can question whether this is a good thing or bad thing. Like our nation, we're very uh, reactive, not proactive in that way. Like kind of something like 9-11 had to occur for us to actually start to process, like maybe we need to tighten up our airport security. But there was people saying that for a long time, but until like, we had a consequence and actually something happened did were people actually able to come together and you know make a change you think about any like religious movement most of these like religious movements start with someone dying um, and that's that's when the movement really launches like you you look again probably not something we want to mention in the podcast but like you look at islam muhammad when he was alive muhammad wasn't really that recognized but it was his followers that took his after he died they took his writings and his messages that's what the quran is it's just a a whole summation of his writings and teachings that after he died became more prominent but muhammad was never really that big in his day um he did have people listening though jesus jesus on the cross it takes him to die and it brings it does bring all his closest followers together and they're gathered for i think it's like yeah, it is the days it was three days after he died and they were all together and he comes back to them and he's like, Yeah, I'm back, you know, <laughs> like I I feel like stuff like that helps unify and I Yeah. I, I feel like that's just an important way and yeah. Not that you want to achieve movements do that, but I feel like that's why a martyr is so powerful. Is because we can all connect to it, whether we know the person, don't know the person, agree, disagree. It's something we can always connect to. And I, I feel like there's very, <clears throat> very few things like that other than like, you know, maybe food or maybe like dancing is one of those like universal, like human things. But I feel like death is more concretely solid and shared between humans, regardless of culture, race, language, etc. So if we were going with the you know, say each episode is asking a question. If this ep this episode's question is, you know, is death the unifying human experience? I guess it would be like a yes, maybe with some caveats or something. I don't know. But yeah, I think that does make sense that 
within the context of, you know, social movements or religions or just anything like that. Yeah, we we see a death or we hear a death happen. And that is something that, you know, I can empathize with because I have some experience with death in some way, you know, either knowing mm. someone that's died or, you know, something like that. Mm. And there's other things you could probably make arguments for that like, oh, other people could also empathize with this. And that is true. But yeah, death is like the one thing that everyone's going to do eventually. And everyone has had experience, I feel like, at least in their own life of, you know, some death entering somehow. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's keep going on the political path a little bit. Do you think there's a way, like, so assuming our hypothesis is true that, you know, that is the unifying experience, like, how do you think in this current, like, climate where think people are, our nation is, like, just totally not unified, kind of, like, pretty chaotic, do you think there is a way to, like, frame things and help people rally together or do you think because or do you think like the martyrs that we've already had in the black lives do you think that's like people are not connecting over those and it's becoming more controversial because i feel like that could almost be a counterpoint to what we're saying that's true that death is the division because even though we all it's like a common experience with all of us it doesn't unite us we it divides us is that what you're saying I think what I'm saying is that it, the, exp the, some people wouldn't have died in that situation, which is the, I think what's causing the division. And that's what, why people are mad on both sides. Mm. Or that, at least that's the idea behind it, which I, you know, it's up for, up in the air, up for debate, but yeah, I, I guess that experience of death would is can or is or can be different because not everyone or I guess that's what's causing the divisions that not everyone would have or would have died in that situation as according to the movement. Yeah, I think well that goes into the idea of, you know, causes of death and, you know, how does death come to us or how do we go to death, that idea. And, mm -hmm. and that's, I feel like that's the dividing thing is that like, yeah, like a person's life ending is something that we can all understand and we can all empathize with, but how that came about is the thing that people don't agree on and how to prevent that from happening to other people. People don't agree on that, you know? Um, so even with stuff, you know, like with the whole drunk driving issue and that thing that happened with like, you know, some people's answer to that was like, oh, mothers against drunk driving. Like, let's, you know, some, the founder, I think it was like a, a mom, like her daughter was killed or something. So it's like, oh, let's rally around this. And like the cause of, you know, cause of this death was drunk driving. So let's rally and push for political reform. So that way, like to make it difficult to be a drunk driver, basically. Um, but that's just one approach to it. You know, other approaches are, oh, let's control alcohol or let's, you know, let's put these things in cars to prevent that. You know, there's other approaches of here's a death that happened. Here's how to prevent that. So the prevention, I think, is a thing that people don't agree on. And that kind of goes back to the whole idea of like, I don't, I think it's really hard to generalize in some ways because it's hard to have like a, here's a general uniform 
response to this one thing that we can all agree on, which is someone died that shouldn't have died. And Mm. so, yes, we can agree. Someone died that should not have died. But the prevention of that, there's a lot of different answers. But I think part of the reason why is because, again, everyone is coming from a different background. Just everyone's different. I think there's definitely, you know, yeah, there are some general ideas that are like, oh, this would be helpful. But to say, like, this is the one response that will fix all of it, it's like, no, it's a multidimensional problem, so you have to have one than more, more than one answer. There's no easy solution for tragedy. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I guess that's a little different experience. Um... One thing that I was curious about, maybe still in the political realm, maybe something off of that, but... Did you watch that Keanu Reeves clip when he was on the Stephen Colbert show? Colbert? Colbert? No. Um, he basically was doing, Keanu Reeves was doing like his rounds like on the talk shows to promote that new Bill and Ted movie that came out over the summer. Mm-hmm. And on this talk show, Stephen Colbert, he asks him, he says like, you know, what do you think happens when we die? And Keanu Reeves, like instead of, you know, giving some comedic answer, not really addressing or something that... His thing that he responds with is, you know, I know that the ones that love us will miss us. And then just kind of leaves it at that. Mm. And so I was watching some, you know, Vlogbrothers videos on YouTube. They're they're back. They're, you know, 15 years old. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, and it was either Hank or John Green. They were, they kind of, they watched that clip and they were talking about that clip in one of their vlogs. And they mentioned like, like, Reeves's answer to that question is more outward focused on like like he didn't address like what happens to you when you die he addressed like what happened to people that were around you like after you die and mm-hmm. it's this idea of like viewing death within a uh, viewing death within the context of community and not just the individual which I thought was interesting because I, I hadn't heard it put like that exactly before Hmm. So in a sense, I feel like something that we're running into then is that death helps us boil down what's important to us, and maybe not it's not the the death experience itself, but bumping into that reality. I feel like in a postmodern world, it's so rare that we bump into something that's like that we can all agree on is true. You know, I feel like bumping into that hard reality is something that in a way helps us reassess what's what is ultimately important and that's different things to different people um but i feel like maybe that is what's unifying is that there's there is not many things that people agree on is kind of hard realities like if I've, i've heard a definition of truth being described as like what's true is what you bump up against in reality like if you, you know, believe a chair is going to stay upright or not. And like what's true is if it breaks under your weight or if it doesn't, like there, there's a reality there that's uh, unaffected by what you think about it. Uh, that's what's really true. Um, and it's just a, like I have no idea how to define truth. Like I'm not a sociologist. I'm just a bio nerd. That's, you know, that's, that's not much podcast there. What is true? <laughs> Yeah, but I do think bumping up against that is, it is formational in a way. 
I think that would explain in a way why there's kind of division with this whole idea of, you know, death and how do we prevent it? That kind of idea. Cause it's that idea of like, yes, like let's say death does inform our priorities and it kind of Mm -hmm. tells us what's important in our life. It's then easy to look at someone else and say, well, we're all going to die. And so this should be important to you. But that person being like, yeah, but that's not because my idea of death is different. So those priorities are different, you know, like the two Mm. polar opposites of the, you know, oh, let's, you know, this body is the only one I have. So let's have fun with it while it's here. And then the other one that goes, this body is the only one that I have. So let me take care of it while I'm here. You know, those two kind of oppose, almost opposing types of mindsets. Um, yeah. And that's where it's the idea of like, again, that kind of going with the, it goes, ties in with the truth question of what is true for me is not true for you when it comes to priorities regarding death and what makes it important in your life. Hmm. I don't think there's an easy way to fix that either. That's part of why we're in the rut we're in. Um. Hmm. I feel like navigating that in our 20s, you know, go, like just looking at our ages, I think it is interesting to talk to people that are older that have experienced a lot of death or just even people our age that have experienced a lot of death. Cause I think that changes your perception of it in some way. Like it, it, I don't know. It doesn't like familiarize it or normalize it, but it's for me, it's interesting getting a different perspective on it from someone that like has coded on the table, you know, or someone that has watched their entire friend group, just like die over the last five years you know Hmm. maybe i'm still forming my thoughts on death and i think yeah i i do think it's a different thing when like finally we're now old enough to kind of bump up bump up against like having real people that we've interacted with and know love and then they pass away you know, I feel like this is like kind of we're in our in our twenties. It's kind of where around where our grandparents are, grandparents that we knew are starting to pass away, mm-hmm. and I think that is it's more sad, and I think it's a lot more real in that way too. And it, I feel like once you get to like your forties, you know, forties, you kind of become more like set in your ways. But I still feel that like the paradigms that we have now are kind of evolving and shifting. Uh, as we're kind of experiencing more quote unquote real life, I so I, I think it's a good thing that we're able to talk about it and just process it. Obviously, me and you are not experts. We're just kind of two Joes figuring things out. Um, but I think that's a it is a good and worthwhile thing to consider because it's you know. It just is important. I think it goes along that line of the idea of our grandparents, you know, because all of my grandparents are, are, you know, I have two grandmas left and they're both in their 80s. Um, mm-hmm. And they're probably going to die when I'm in my 20s because, you know, like we're only in our mid-20s right now. And it does kind of go against the idea of, you know, growing up as a kid. It was like, oh, yeah, like my grandparents, they'll always just be around. 
like you know when I was like really really little kid it's just this is grandma and grandpa you know this is Jichan and Bachan and they're just here they're old but they're always just going to be here and that's kind of how it was in my mind because you know I grew up with you know both sets of grandparents grandma there Bachan there Jichan there grandpa there but then like as they start to die it kind of it challenges that idea of like oh you maybe you didn't consciously know this but you did think that oh yeah they're old but they're always just going to be around that's just kind of how it is you know it's kind of in a much more mild sense it's almost like you know seeing your mom sick where like moms never get sick but then you see your mom sick and you're like oh man like that's that's like a that that challenges what i've held to be true Mm -hmm. so i feel like again we're coming back to a different thing where it's talking about yeah death is a revealer of the things that are true truth and priorities yeah that's kind of an interesting take on things well i think that's why it's like perfect that you know we talk about this stuff right now because yeah we are in this kind of life stage where it's like everything's kind of changing and yeah some of the things we've held to be true since childhood those will always be the same those will just at least as far as right now i'm thinking you know those are always always going to remain there that's how it's going to be but other things are like well i thought this was like a permanent thing or i thought this was kind of true but either as I get to talk to more people or as I get to like live life and experience more things, I'm learning that, that that's not true. And that's interesting. And so I have to kind of maybe reevaluate or reframe or see what's the validity in this. Hmm. I don't know if we want to talk about this today or not, but I feel like there's healthy ways to reevaluate and there's unhealthy ways to reevaluate. Oh, yeah. Because I think in in reevaluating it's like there were people trying like for example like our parents trying to protect us look out for us when i'm reevaluating i can take a positive spin on it and like you know like they were trying to you know parent me well and not like expose me to something before i was ready for it Um, but i feel like there's also like almost like a i've seen it happen in kind of like a bitter way like my parents shielded me or they were trying to influence me and not allowing me to see the world like properly and i i actually don't know if there's like a yeah we're not again we're not experts at this but i feel like there are healthy ways to process in a in a way that's helping you grow and and learn and change and yeah deal with hard things because i also feel that there's a way to do it that makes you embittered and kind of just really skeptical of the world like I I do think there is value to having a kind of like a childlike wonder at the world I feel like it's still like a the world's a fun place still and you know we should be able to enjoy our lives but I feel like the closer you look at like lives and the things that happen around us like it's really easy to become kind of bummed out depressed on those things so I think we should definitely talk about that like in another episode with that idea of reevaluating and kind of how to not how to do it but yeah how to do it maybe because i think yeah you're right because it is very easy to create those echo chambers of reinforcing things that you want to not challenging it in a healthy way but there is there are healthy ways of challenging it you know even just like going back to religion wise there's healthy ways to challenge your religion and then 
strengthen it as you're questioning. And I, I guess even going further, we'd probably have to do some research, but like how to process things that are traumatic in a healthy way. Ooh, I f- yeah. I just listened, I just read a book on that that was so interesting. It was about like, book? It, was, it was called um, The Body Keeps the Score. And it was about how Ooh. trauma, how basically trauma as an adult and trauma as a child, how it informs our experiences like navigating the world as an adult, but basically how it affects like our physical body, like our brain chemistry, our body, the way it responds to situations. It was so good, so heavy, so very interesting. And for another week. (laughs) Oh, definitely for another week. But yeah, I would, it would be so interesting to talk about that because I think, yeah, that it was, it was, it took me probably like six months to read through it just because I was like, oh, I have to do this in like little tiny bits because, yeah. Okay. I guess we have our, our topic already for the next talk. Oh, I, got a few I like that we don't really have to think about it or like it just kind of comes up. Yeah. But... No, this is just normal. Like, I don't Us think just talking. Yeah. Like we've got our word document with all the like, here's some topics we could go into, but then like we have these talks and it's like, oh yeah, that, that leads to this and that leads because you know, everything in life is connected. So we talk about death. Yeah. We're going to talk about truth. Yeah. We're going to talk about, you know, reevaluating our truths. Yeah. We're going to talk about how we experience traumas. <laughs> Processing through. That is, I, I'm trying to think like, I feel like we'd have to share. I'm going to stop recording. Um. well that's it for this week's episode thank you for listening what are your thoughts on this share with us at thinkingthroughour20s at gmail.com or use the hashtag tt2pod on your favorite social media website hope you join us next week as Nathan and I continue this conversation about life